Welcome to Unlikable Female Characters, the podcast featuring feminist thriller writers in conversation about female characters who don't give a damn if you like them. I'm Lane Fargo, and I'm here with Kristen LaPianca. Hello. And we hope everyone enjoyed our very special bonus episode last week. <laughs> our very special guest. <laughs> very special. The, the first man to ever grace this podcast. Jonathan Mallory Davis. Everyone's new favorite writer. Yes. I can't wait. The author of oh the groundbreaking God. Twist of Velvet Smoke. <laughs> so this was all, I've, I'm sad that Wendy can't be here today to talk about this because this is all her idea. I want to like give her props. Yeah. <laughs> it was Wendy's idea to do this April Fool's episode. And I thought like, that sounds so fun. We should totally do it. But I was like, the minute that people hear a man's voice on this show or even just see us posting on social media that we interviewed a man and they're like, it's April 1st. They're immediately going to be like, oh, this is a joke. Not so. <laughs> no. Not the reaction. <laughs> no, we actually, we fooled quite a few people, which is very surprising. <laughs> we did. We had like friends of ours, like sliding in our DMs, talking about what an asshole this guy was. And <laughs> I had a friend who was like, I was going to do an intervention. I was like worried about you guys. Like, why were you talking to <laughs> Jonathan was just too real. He, he was, was just too, too real. real. Like we, we've all met a person just like this. We've all rolled our eyes at the books that they write for, you know, a zillion dollar advances. Like I guess mm-hmm. we just we just tapped into something so realistic that like people believed it. And uh-huh. I mean, we are writers, so I guess I'm <laughs> glad that we were able to create such a a believable fiction. <laughs> A monster. Yes. Well, but you wrote that whole book <laughs> description for yes. Twist of Velvet Smoke. And yes. when Wendy and I read that, we were like, Kristen, you have summoned a demon. Like, you need to sage your house immediately. This is not... Because <laughs> it sounded so... Like, I mean, I've seen books like that so many times that win all these awards and sell for millions of dollars. And yeah, it sounds so, unfortunately, legitimate. Yes, I channeled something very dark when I came up with that. And I did literally... <laughs> Uh, cleanse my home with smoke to good yes to to eradicate any lingering traces of the the dark spirit so (laughs) (laughs) that was good that was smart I'm glad you did that um but yeah it was fun shout out to Nate my partner who did the voice of Jonathan he um wore a fedora during the recording session to get the character because he's a professional actor (laughs) And um, now this is going to haunt me forever because every time I would talk about the episode and like people's reactions to it and how much fun we were having, he would just look at me and be like, you're welcome. Like in his (laughs) Jonathan voice. And it just chills me to the core. (laughs) He feel like I'm living with Jonathan Mallory Davis in my home. You need some sage now. Like I do. Yeah. I'm going to sage him like right in his face. Yeah. He did such a good job of just embodying that that smug cocky asshole and there was just this there was this one part where um like I don't even remember what it was but like I said something like that's a really interesting perspective and he he's just like yeah it is and it (laughs) as we were recording I just absolutely died but like that's exactly this like that's this kind of personality this guy who's like Mm -hmm. you're welcome yeah my point of view is interesting like of course no (laughs) I just heard you like (laughs) self-destruct when he said that I could like (laughs) I couldn't I just couldn't anymore it was just too good Um, we did another take of it but I ended up keeping the first take when I edited it I just like took out your laughter (laughs) 
Um, this was quite the editing challenge because we were Nate like kept it pretty like he was serious the whole time, but we were just dying. Yeah, so. he he was a pro. We were not. <laughs> yeah. Ugh, so good. I have to say, I am not really one for April Fool's jokes. So I was like a little, just a little hesitant in general about the whole idea. It came together mm-hmm. so amazing. I'm mm-hmm. just super excited that we did that. I'm not usually a big fan of them either, but I think this is the perfect kind of April Fool's joke where like it doesn't hurt anyone. It's not like mean spirited. Um, yeah. Like yeah, the only person true. who would be hurt is like Jonathan Franzen. Um, <laughs> and he's not on Twitter, like legitimately. <laughs> and also so. he definitely does not care what we think of him. So. No. <laughs> he doesn't even care what Oprah thinks of him. Like what hope do we have? <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, my God. oh my God. Well, yes, everyone, thank you for listening. And if you didn't listen to it yet, um, I guess we just spoiled it for you, but it's still very hilarious in our opinion. And, um... <laughs> yes, definitely worth a worth a listen to, um, especially if you, you know, you it's been a while since you encountered a really um, self-important book written by a man and you want to just revel in how smug they can be. Twist of Velvet Smoke right up your alley. <laughs> also writing conferences are starting up soon so this would be like good preparation to prepare to deal with all of these assholes that you're gonna meet. because yes. he it really is jonathan mallory davis is like a combination of all the worst men we've ever met at writing conferences <laughs> yep <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's like it's like a it should be part of like a training program for uh-huh. attending conferences <laughs> we can develop the jonathan mallory davis curriculum Oh, my God. <laughs> Nate wants to do it again. I was like, maybe he can come back on if we do a sex scene episode again. We can make him oh my God. the terrible sex scene. <laughs> He's ready anytime. He like, is prepared. Amazing. I'm so excited. Volunteering his services. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so today's topic, we are going to talk about the Framing Britney Spears documentary, which um, came out, what, a couple months ago? And mm-hmm. everyone was just like immediately enraged. We should have been enraged all along, but it took this documentary to enrage most of us uh and if you haven't seen it it is available on hulu right i think Mm -hmm. that's where yep i have too many streaming services (laughs) (laughs) yes on hulu but even if you have not seen it i feel like a lot of the things we're going to talk about will be familiar to you just as like a person in the world who's heard of britney spears so yeah it's definitely like impossible to be like a person who has been even semi-culturally aware for the past decade and not be familiar with some of this stuff like Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, because like as someone who is never even particularly a big fan of her music, like I was always very aware of of this story. Um. Yeah, because she became famous, like really, really famous when we were like in high school, right? Yeah. Like late mm-hmm. high school. Yep. I was always sort of like I watched a lot of MTV Total Request Live <laughs> back then, so I saw <laughs> all her videos, and I definitely wasn't like a hater. I didn't have any problem with her, but. I wasn't a big fan either. She just um, like the documentary talks a lot about how she was this really aspirational figure for a lot of young girls. I mean, she's super talented. She's gorgeous. I think like she seemed like that nice, popular girl who would Mm -hmm. like sit with you at lunch and not be mean to you, like that kind of vibe. And that just like didn't appeal to me as a teenager at all. Like I was listening. I wanted to be Shirley Manson from Garbage. (laughs) Like I didn't want to be Britney Spears, but I didn't have a problem with her. It wasn't like hatred. It was just kind of like, okay, she's not like, I'm not her target audience. She's not speaking to me. Yeah. I kind of felt the same. Like it wasn't like, I didn't dislike her, but like I didn't really listen to that type of music. Like I was more of a Fiona Apple sort of person. Oh yeah. Like alternative music rather than just like pop music. Um, and I also like as a person who was uh, I like 
I was very into like performing music when I was in high school. Um, mm -hmm. Like, you know, I played, I played, well, I used to play a bunch of instruments. Uh, and I, like when I would hear Britney Spears songs, I would sort of feel like her singing is not very good. But the weird thing is like her singing is good. It's just there's something yeah. about the way that her, she was sort of packaged in the beginning that it like it was just, I don't know, kind of like. I don't know what the correct recording they were term her word sing is. In a sexy baby voice, yeah, and then like layering <laughs> yeah. over it. Yeah, <laughs> they were making her sing in the sexy like adult baby voice, and there was just like weird stuff going on. Like it was so overproduced that you couldn't even like tell what her actual voice sounded like. And mm -hmm. I think that that was something that I kind of um, I, that I kind of just reacted to a little negatively, but like live and let live right it wasn't like i hate britney spears i was just like that's not for me i'm yeah. listening to other stuff yeah but now we know that britney spears is a feminist hero so that's what we're <laughs> going to talk about today yes <laughs> where do you want to start Kristen? <laughs> <laughs> well let's just let's let's start with like a very like a high level summary of what what happened to britney spears basically you know she appeared on the pop music scene in the early 2000s with crazy successful albums and then she got married and had two kids and then had a very public, um, like, nervous breakdown at the same time that her marriage was ending. And in 2008, <clears throat> which everyone can, uh, 2000, it was it 2007? I don't remember now. Uh, but she had sort of, like, this very public moment of uh, shaving her head and then, like, bashing a paparazzi's car with an umbrella. So there's all mm -hmm. these, like, incredibly unflattering pictures of her from that moment. And so she had this like very public issue and was subsequently um, deemed unfit to manage her own affairs. And her father, Jamie Spears, uh, applied for a temporary conservatorship over her person and her finances. And it was originally intended to be temporary while whatever she was going through could be resolved. Like it, theoretically, that was the goal. Mm -hmm. And it is now 2021 and she remains under that. <clears throat> and yeah. it's just really like, that is crazy to think it about. <laughs> and the narrative around her at the time was like, okay, she's having this mental breakdown, like for no reason. She's just nuts. Like she just right. went insane. No one knows why. But when you, I mean, even thinking back on it, I think we we're all somewhat aware of this stuff, but seeing it all laid out in the documentary, like the way that she reacted was actually a really reasonable reaction <laughs> to yes. everything that was going on in her life and the scrutiny and the way that she was being treated she's being followed around her picture taken everywhere these photographers screaming things at her all the time I mean going through a divorce she's like having issues getting to see her kids I mean mm -hmm. she's like stressed the fuck out S stressed the fuck out and like people are literally like there were you know in this documentary there are clips of her like trying to exit a gas station and it's just crammed full of people taking her pictures like she yeah. can barely move and it's just like i would i would not only use an umbrella on someone if i was in that situation you know what i mean yeah. like <laughs> i would not handle that well like seeing all of that it almost makes her reaction seem completely reasonable but also like mild compared to what she could have done yes think about what like stressed out white men do you know right. when they're having a bad day exactly <laughs> it just all yeah. she did was break some shit with an umbrella she didn't even like shatter the windshield right no, she, she just, just like, like dented the door or dented the trim or something like it wasn't yeah she didn't hurt anyone like 
She just wanted to be left alone. And yeah. like, my God, that is relatable as fuck. Like she looked kind of hot with the shaved head. Honestly, to be yeah, there was, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> she definitely like had some real, some real character in her look. Then, like, she would be wearing these like big dark hoodies and you know just the shaved head, and you could just tell it was like the this is the behavior of a person who is sick of being looked at and touched mm-hmm. and grabbed and just like over sexualized, like. What like what ultimately happened makes perfect sense to me when you look at it like that. Yeah, it's completely logical. It's like they're objectifying her. They want her to look a certain way and they want her to be Britney Spears, the pop star. And she's like, fuck you. I'm not going to be that anymore. Shaving her head makes complete sense in that context. Like, yes, uh, <laughs> it's kind of brilliant, actually. It honestly is. Yes. Um, And I think that like the documentary does a really good job of sort of starting from the beginning of her career and like showing exactly how all of this built to a head because it wasn't Mm -hmm. just like one day she woke up and was mad and you know hit this car with a umbrella like it it it, like her entire career was just sort of like sending her towards this yeah um and i think a huge part of that is like when she was i think i think she signed a record deal when she was like 15 she was very young and when her first album came out, she probably was, what, you think, still a teenager? Yeah. Yeah, maybe 17, yeah. I would say. And Pretty so, young. Right. And so, like, when you're 17, you're not a person yet. You're, like, you're not a person yet until you're at least 25, like, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, she's still, in so many ways, not a girl, not yet a woman. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, but, like, her... Um, she had a very sexy look and sexy dancing. And I think that in a lot of ways, people sort of interpreted that as like, well, she is choosing to look like this. Therefore it's fair game for us to talk about it. Um, Mm -hmm. And there was, there was one really interesting uh, line that one of the music critics, I think, um, for the New York Times said about like, you know, in the the baby one more time video, everyone can picture it. She's like, you know, dancing at the head of a group of girls in the hallway of a high school. Um, she's wearing like a short skirt and a crop top. And it's like very, it's very empowering the way that she is like commanding attention. And this quote that I want to mention is the reason that a lot of um, young women reacted positively to that was not like, ooh, I want to be sexy like Britney Spears, but like, oh, I want to have control like she has. Mm-hmm. It wasn't the sex part, but it was the control part that appealed to a lot of people. And I think that does make a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. She's totally, she's like the most popular girl in school in that video. Like everyone's looking at her and there's a power in that that's not just about like, oh, the boys want her. Right. Like, that didn't. I don't know. That didn't seem like what it was about at all. But the it, the imagery of it, I mean, she's wearing like a little schoolgirl uniform and like it's very sexualized. Yes. But it's like she got criticized both ways. She got criticized for like making the choice to present herself that way and to dress like in this revealing manner and to dance like that. But then she also got criticized for being packaged and fake and like right. not having control of her herself and her career. And it was all like the record companies. And I think both of those things are true in some ways like they it does seem like they exerted a lot of control over her career and her look when she was first starting out um 
like I'm reading Jessica Simpson's memoir open book right now, which is really fantastic. Actually. I don't know if you've mm. no, I have read not. that. It's really good. Um, it'll make you hate John Mayer a lot, which we can talk about <laughs> in a minute. Um, <laughs> if you didn't already. Uh, but she talks about like her, you know, when she first signed her record deal, they were like, oh, we want you to have, you know, your voice as an artist and we love, you know, what you're doing. And they were, talked a good game. And then as soon as she had signed, they were like, you need to lose 15 pounds and you need to dress like this and you need to do this and that and the other thing. So it was like they lure them in right. with all these promises and then try to exert control and package them as like in her case it seemed like she was coming up just slightly behind Britney Spears and Christina Aguilera and they wanted her to be more like them instead of being herself Mm -hmm. so it just like I mean and then it backfires because you're not being authentic right (sighs) shockingly as a woman you just can't win (laughs) yeah shockingly shockingly (laughs) the first time we've heard of that on this right for sure well it's so interesting that like you know I'm sure that the record company did Uh, have a lot of control over her image but like no one really like prepared her for what to do when people would comment on it yeah Uh, you know so she would be doing interviews and people would say all kinds of things about you know I I wrote down one quote um, someone said to her everyone is talking about your breasts he just like said it um (laughs) Another Once we learned from Jonathan, women are very insecure about their breasts. <laughs> Constantly <laughs> thinking about them. Thank you, Jonathan, for that pearl of wisdom. <laughs> yeah. How do you answer that? Like, I'm a right. grown woman and I wouldn't know what to do if someone right. said something like that to me. Like, it's just like this total record scratch. Like, what? Right. Um, another thing someone said to her in an interview was, on one hand, you're a sweet virginal type. But on the other, you're a sexy vamp in underwear. Like, someone just said this to her in an interview. And she honestly handled it with a lot more poise than you might have expected mm-hmm. being like a young woman thrust into this very awkward position. Like it's just, it's just crazy that it's, you know, acceptable for men interviewing young pop stars to say these things, but not just men. Let's talk about Diane Sawyer. Oh my God. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah. They show this clip from this interview that I, Brittany did with Diane Sawyer where it's after she and Justin Timberlake had broken up and Diane Sawyer is basically like what did you do to Justin Timberlake to hurt him so much yes. like it's all Britney's faults Justin is blameless right uh yeah we don't have time to talk about all my feelings about Justin Timberlake <laughs> <laughs> but yeah but the like just putting this blame on her that she did something she broke his heart she's uh, like and how are you supposed to respond to that i mean it's her private business first of all but just that assumption is so insulting and coming from a woman yes Ugh. yes so bad and was it was it from the same diane sawyer interview where she read a quote from like some random person like the first lady of maryland who oh yeah who said something like like if i could get away with it i would i would just shoot britney spears for being like a bad role model for young women. And it's just like, my God. <laughs> the, that was the same interview. Yeah. yeah. Horrifying. It's like, Brittany, why is everything your fault? Right. Just a question from me, yeah. Diane Sawyer. Yeah. Like, why is everything <laughs> in this world your fault? Yeah. And, you know, like, what could she even say? Nothing she could even say would, like, fix this problem. The whole role model thing 
doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Like I was trying to think if that's something, I mean, certainly not male singers. We don't expect that of, I would say like male sports stars. Sometimes people will be like, Oh, you need to be a role model to young boys, but it's not as loaded. Yeah. I would agree that it is not as loaded and it's like, it is, it is a weird, it's a weird thing that you would expect because it's like, we don't, we don't know famous people. Like, Mm-hmm. why would you like why would a famous person be a role model for your child like raise your child don't be like yeah my child turned out <laughs> shitty because they liked someone who wore you know s- sexy clothes like <laughs> sounds like you're a bad parent <laughs> yeah um i i had read an article about um some other like women in pop culture at famous at the same time um reacting to the documentary and jennifer love hewitt said something interesting in this um interview she said uh like she thought that they wouldn't be like people who are interviewing her wouldn't be allowed to ask questions if it was inappropriate so she just sort of like thought that like because they were asking it must have been okay um oh which is just really that's really upsetting and you can kind of see like sure yeah of course yeah, that makes sense, but it's also like terrible. But you can totally see, like, as, as a young woman, yeah, you would just kind of be like, "This must be okay, right?" And plus, you know, there's just there's so much. Uh, just being a woman is so complicated. Like, you you're supposed to be nice when people ask you questions. Like, you can't be like, mm-hmm. "Fuck you" in your question. Like, it's just like she, anyone who is in that position, like, is being forced to sit through that without any real ability to be like this is not okay because you're concerned about like being nice being liked um it's just it's just a terrible position to put someone in especially someone young because then the story becomes like oh she talked back to the interviewer she stormed out of the interview right or she's a diva she's a, yeah like exactly. there's really no yeah winning in that situation yeah crazy i had a quote from uh john mayer speaking of that motherfucker Um, (laughs) he watched the documentary and he gave this infuriating interview to billboard i think where he's talking about like he like he watched it and he's like well yeah i mean that was like a really tough time in pop culture but i came out okay and then he said but yeah i came out okay but i have a very strong feeling that part of that is because i'm a man oh part of it huh? and 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 (laughs) I have a very strong feeling that a lot of these things that happen to female performers is endemic to being female. If you're a man, <laughs> wait, 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 <laughs> oh my God. I'm not going to laugh. <clears throat> if you're a man, you're an outlaw. If you're a woman, you're kind of crazy. Oh my God. Wow. An outlaw. <laughs> Get that man a male feminist t-shirt. Oh God. Oh God. I love, yeah. I, I wonder <laughs> if part of it is because I'm a man. Hmm. Maybe. Maybe. I- <laughs> That's very insightful, John Mayer. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, what a piece of shit. Yes. After reading that Jessica Simpson memoir, I'm convinced he's a full psychopath. So <laughs> fuck you, John Mayer. Um- <laughs> Ugh, the worst. That is just grotesque. I know. But it's so disingenuous. Like, but then he's like, I was watching it and it just like brought a tear to my eye. I was so emotional just thinking about what she went through. And I'm just like, no, you fucking like no. Also, like, literally, who asked you? Like, what? did you uh, maybe they actually reached out to him for comment or it was part of another interview, but it kind of just seemed like he called up Billboard magazine and was like, I have some thoughts to share. I mean, I, I like that version of event of events. Like, I think that's what happened. Yeah. You're welcome, everyone. <laughs> John Mayer. 
Is he even still like famous? Like, does he still? He performed at the Grammys a couple. He weeks did. Ago. Oh, gross! I'm annoyed. And about he that. was so gross. He looked like he needed like five thousand showers. <laughs> and he was singing with this artist. I think she's like a country artist. I'm not familiar with her, but she kind of looked like Jessica Simpson a lot. Oh, so no. I was like, "Girl, run!" Like, I hope this is <laughs> run away. <laughs> I was real worried for her during the whole performance. Yeah, I was also, like screaming at him. I have a lot of a lot of feelings. Um. <laughs> But speaking of shitty men, let's talk about Britney's dad. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> so Britney's dad sucks. Um, early on in the documentary, they sort of like plant some seeds about the type of guy that he is. Like long before this conservatorship ever mm-hmm. becomes a thing, um, <clears throat> there's like some hints dropped. Um, like he wasn't around a lot when she was growing up. He was a serial entrepreneur who filed for bankruptcy possibly more than once. Uh, and I love serial entrepreneur. Wouldn't really mean failure. <laughs> yeah. Failures, serial failure even. Um, but uh, a woman who worked for Britney's first record company, uh, who they interviewed in this piece, she said, like, the only thing he ever said to me was, my daughter is going to be so rich, she's going to buy me a boat. Ooh, dream big, Jamie. <laughs> it's just like... Wow. Okay. So he wasn't, he wasn't very involved. His involvement was like he wanted to reap the benefits of whatever money she could make when she was very young. And mm-hmm. like, even before she was famous, like he was like, she's going to be famous and I'm going to get my boat. Like that was his main concern. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then like, you don't really hear too much about him until um, the, the bad stuff happens in, uh, 2007 and then suddenly after you know so she she had this very public sort of meltdown um, there were two instances where she was hospitalized on a mental health hold and after the second one uh, he files for this temporary conservatorship over her mm-hmm and this man is like very bad with money. Yes, as he, we have seen. Yes, like, he is. He is a serial failure. He has filed for bankruptcy, which, like, not to say anyone who's filed for bankruptcy is a failure, but like, perhaps anyone no. who's filed for bankruptcy should not be the conservator in charge of a multi-million-dollar estate. Maybe right. I would say that. I think it's probably fair to say that. I mean, I certainly would not want to be in that position to have you know, a someone who has not been good with money suddenly in charge of managing my money. Like, what? Yeah. And what I didn't know until I watched the documentary, like, I'd heard that, you know, he was in charge of her finances, but he can sign contracts on her behalf. Like, he can be like, Brittany, you have to, like, promote this product, and I signed the contract, and now you have to do it. Like, yes. he can make all these decisions. It's not just about, like, him controlling the purse strings or whatever. It's, like, very very involved very disturbing to think of anybody having that level of control over another person and there's no evidence at this point that she needs any of this like any help any like maybe at the time temporarily she she needed someone to step in not him but like somebody but now she seems perfectly capable of managing her own affairs or like appointing people of her choice right to manage them for her yes but he's still in charge well in, in addition to being able to like sign contracts and conduct all business for her uh in the beginning he was also in charge of like her person it wasn't just a financial conservatorship it was also like of like her physical person like he could say what kind of treatment she could receive like basically he applied for this and received 
this like sort of blanket permission to just like be in charge of everything in her life. And I think it was really interesting, like the timing of all of this. It was like the end of January 2008 when he filed for this. And like within days, Brittany is out of the hospital and she met with an attorney that they interviewed in the documentary. And she said at that time, in 2008, she didn't want her father to be the conservator. Yeah. And the, this attorney like thought she seemed capable of making that kind of decision. Like he yeah. met with her and it wasn't like, oh, this person is not capable of deciding their own affairs. Like she was lucid and <clears throat> he thought that he could, you know, argue for her. And then uh, he went to court to do so. And the judge decided that based on a medical report, which to this day is not public, we do not know what's in it, um, but based on the contents of this medical report, that she wasn't even competent enough to make the decision to hire her own lawyer. And <laughs> the judge appointed someone, he appointed a lawyer who still represents her even now. Oh my God. It's been yeah. like 13 years. This <sighs> just feels like, you know, hearkening back to ye olden times <laughs> right. when men just like literally owned women and could yes you know <laughs> tell them who to marry and tell them what to do and tell them how many kids to have and you know, like let's let's not go back there things are bad enough still but, right like ugh, we don't need so to disturbing. go so wrong and so this was supposed to be temporary but then later in that same year it was made effectively permanent um mm-hmm. and the documentary also interviews someone who had been part of Jamie Spears legal team and then wasn't anymore when they interviewed her but then since then has rejoined the team and she has this whole thing of uh how it's the responsibility of the person under the conservatorship to file a petition a petition to end it it's not like the conservative so the conservatee has the responsibility to be like i don't need this but in the same like in the same sentence she also says she's never heard of anyone successfully doing that oh so it's like yeah. Brittany is trapped. Like a lot of burden of proof. Yeah. yeah. It's a, a huge burden of proof, especially when um, you're being represented by someone who's just randomly appointed and your father is able to make decisions about your person, including like who can who you can even talk to. So like yeah. how do you get the evidence that you don't need that when like you can't live your life at all? It just seems like such a huge loophole. And she just sort of like got stuck in the middle of it because it's there's no way to get out of it crazy oh man i'm like whew, i'm mad <laughs> <laughs> yeah that is watching this documentary is it kind of just takes all these things that you've maybe been somewhat aware of like in the back of your mind observing pop culture and puts them into sharp relief and yes fills you with rage so, so basically, you, you know, this has been going on since 2008. And in all of that time, like, Britney Spears has been a very productive artist. She's had many albums, tours, a, a long Las Vegas residency. Like, mm-hmm. it's not like she dropped off the face of the earth and has been, like, you know, out of the public eye. And so we don't really know, like, what is the status of her? Can she... Can she function? She can function enough to make millions and millions of dollars and perform like an absolute workhorse. Like 
Yeah. So she's, <laughs> it's just really crazy that someone who can perform at that level is also just not capable of managing their own affairs even a little bit. Yeah, seems seems suspicious. It does. It's it does seem weird. <laughs> <laughs> but now she's refusing to perform, right? Yes. So now she is uh refusing to work at all until uh such time as her father is removed as the conservator of her financial affairs. Uh so it seems like in in 2018 um she was supposed to do another Vegas residency. And then she canceled it. And since Mm -hmm. then, she's not worked. Uh, And there's definitely some, like, legal funny business that was happening at that time. Um, There is a... So all of this time, Jamie Spears has been in charge with the assistance of an attorney uh, who has a very appropriate name for such things. His name is Andrew Wallet. Uh, (laughs) Really? Like, if you you wrote that character in a book, your editor would be like, no. Right? (laughs) You're so right. It was like, it's a little cheesy. Yeah. It's a little on the nose. A little too on the nose. So uh, <laughs> in 2018, he, so he's like the co-conservator of her um, financial empire. Uh, he asks for a raise because managing her affairs uh, is a big job because she's been too productive. Mm-hmm. So he wants more money to continue to take care of her business affairs. Um. And it's it's important to point out that during all of this, Britney Spears is the person who has to pay for all of the lawyers. Like mm-hmm. she's paying for her own appointed lawyer. She's paying for her father's lawyer. She's like she is footing the bill for all of this. Um, which mm-hmm. is really messed up. They're like, you you can't manage your affairs. So you have to pay for other people to argue about it. Yeah. <laughs> like and like when you know when you look at someone like this Andrew Wallet fellow like you know he's he's making money like what is his motivation for ending this for her like there isn't yeah they're all making money yeah off they're of her. all making tons of money off of her they are not motivated to help her out of this and like i understand it's not their responsibility to do so but it's very telling that people who are like making financial decisions are also the ones who are kind of like holding things up at the same time. Um, yeah. And I just think that whole, you know, too productive thing is very telling. Like she's working really hard. She's done all this performing and managing her estate is just so much work because she's, you know, she's too successful, but <laughs> she can't manage her own affairs. And it's not like at any point during this, Britney Spears is like, I want control back and I want to have my dog be the person in charge of my finances. Right. She's never said, she's never even said she doesn't want any help. She has all along maintained that she doesn't want her father involved. And yet he remains involved. Like she's never said like, give me back all the control. I don't need any help. I'm an expert. No, she's saying I would like a bank to do the handling, Mm -hmm. not my dad. Yeah, I mean, usually these big celebrities, it's not like they're like balancing their checkbooks right. themselves. Like right. they have accountants and financial advisors and like other people taking care of their affairs. Exactly. Like experts that they themselves have identified. Right. And now there's this whole like free Britney Spears movement like online. And then she has fans who'll show up at the courthouse when there are these hearings and they interview a lot of them in this documentary. And 
like at first I was a little like like really this is I mean it sucks what's happening to her but like this is your pet cause this like rich white woman right (laughs) um but it is it's it really speaks to like how women are treated in society overall and like I I don't know I I don't I couldn't see making it my own like personal personal cause in my life but I understand why people are so invested in it because it isn't just about her it's really has like wider reaching implications for feminism and equality and yeah everything absolutely and it's also like you know here's someone who has all of the advantages if this is something Mm -hmm. that can happen to someone who already has all of the advantages what chance does just a regular person stand against getting caught up in something like this like it's exactly really scary Um, yeah so yeah it's like it's just it's wild it's wild that you know, so she has the most recent stuff that has happened is like, I think late last year, she wanted to have uh, this like this bank, it's some kind of trust organization be take charge of the finance portion. And I believe at the time the judge ruled that that could happen, but it hasn't happened yet. Um, so basically, she's just trying to get her father off of it. And has she has not had any success with that. Uh, and there's actually a another hearing later this month. I think about that again, the same thing. Okay. Um, so the the free Britney people will probably be out with their signs and the yelling uh, at the courthouse. Mm-hmm. But I think that like, you know, it's really like this is really scary that this is something that has been allowed to go on for so long because like 13 years come on. Um, and of course, like, like mental health issues are real. We don't know the, the true story, but there's definitely something very disturbing about how, you know, even in 2008, she said, I don't want my father involved. Yeah. And he has been involved all along and she is, she is unable to do anything to get him uninvolved. And we know he's very bad with money <laughs> yes, and just kind of a dick. Yeah, um, it's just really upsetting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was so. really my takeaway from this. Like, I, I already, I don't know. Like, I, I don't think it like changed my opinion of Britney Spears as a person, but it definitely made me hate Jamie Spears. <laughs> yes, for sure. It made me hate Jamie Spears. It made me um, hate Justin Timberlake more than I already did because, <sighs> just you know, he, like, I don't even think we really talked about that very much, but like, uh. Like they, so they had a relationship, and when they broke up, like he he kind of like weaponized a a music video for one of his hit songs to sort of like make it seem like she you know, cheated he, on him. He, exactly. And so like he profited off of the fact that he was trashing her reputation. Yeah, and that's fucked up i found this article from the like around the time it was on like jezebel or something like that um that was basically like comparing justin and britney's career tracks and like why doesn't britney spears just make better choices like justin timberlake and then she would be successful too i mean like that was the central thesis of the piece and i was like (laughs) jezebel he just like nothing (laughs) fucking sticks to him i mean he's been involved in all kinds of things that should have gotten him a lot of ire uh publicly and he did finally he like released some shitty apology 
after this documentary yeah. in the like one of those screenshots from the notes app or whatever that his right. probably <laughs> fucking wrote um yeah <laughs> yeah yeah it's just really it's bad and you know sort of on top of all of this is the fact that like i think now in our world like the reaction about like mental health issues is beginning to improve like people are more open about struggles Mm -hmm. um at the time that all of this was going down like that wasn't happening at all um no one was talking about her mental health they were just sort of like she crazy Mm -hmm. or you know this idea of like what does she have to be so unhappy about yeah um (laughs) and it's like that's not okay um there one of the the critics in the documentary has a line where he says um there is too much money to be made from her suffering mm-hmm. which i think is true because these you know paparazzi photographers were making like they could sell a candid picture of britney spears for a million dollars for a picture yeah like us weekly was flying off of the shelves because it was full of pictures of her like looking a mess and being you know so-called sloppy out in the world um there was you know lots of criticism of her parenting she was accused of being a bad mom because she tripped while holding her baby mm-hmm. you know she's like she <laughs> she was being absolutely hounded by all of these people and i'm sure that the toll that that took on her was just immense but you know it's her fault for being a bad mom yeah. and she was the one who was going out partying with paris hilton and you know she's she's the bad influence she's bad everybody else is innocent in all of this and like that's so terrible it's terrible it is different now like in terms of discussions of mental health and like female artists control over their work and like just thinking about Demi Lovato who's had a very right. public struggle with like eating disorders and drug abuse and like had suffered an overdose a few years ago and like she is I've, I haven't seen the latest one, but she's like released these documentaries on YouTube yes. where she like just gets in front of the camera and is like, here's what happened. And it is harrowing. Like she's just talking it about is. all yes. this stuff. And she's she's so brave to do that. But Britney Spears like didn't even have that option back then. It didn't seem like because no. social media wasn't as much of a, a thing. Like now it's like people can speak directly to their fans for good or bad. Like, <laughs> But it right. is an interesting <laughs> change where they can take control of the narrative in that way. Yeah, like Demi Lovato's documentary is incredibly honest and raw. Um, mm-hmm. I think I've seen all of the ones that are currently out. I think there's one more that comes out like tomorrow. Um, you know that I've been consuming this content like obsessively. <laughs> but, I watched the one from a couple but, years ago, but I've been waiting. The new one, I've been waiting till all the parts are released and I want to mm. watch all of it at once, even though I know it'll be just like gut-wrenching but yeah even in in the first one she which was before the overdose and everything she just is very matter of fact and talks about like yeah I was an addict and I manipulated people and I did this and that and like that's really like I I hope it um like helps her to speak about it publicly like I hope that she's getting something Mm -hmm. out of that too but I know that it's really powerful for other women other you know young people to see that and it makes you feel like okay, I can be honest and ask for help. And where Britney Spears, like, right. it was just like, she's crazy. She's unstable. She's like, no one wanted to help her. No, no one wanted to help her. And like, as soon as things got really serious, this conservatorship just sort of took over her life. And she like lost the ability to 
speak honestly. Yeah. Like ever since. Yeah. Like she, anytime she's done any kind of interview in the last decade or so, like I'm sure there has been a person very carefully sitting with her, like managing her responses and really handling that because like she doesn't ever speak about the conservatorship. Yeah. She doesn't really get, do interviews very much and at her all. Social media is all like weird and vague and like people very think there are secret weird. messages in it and but I think yeah, it's all very controlled. She doesn't have freedom. Even though she has these like media things at her disposal now, she's can't say what she wants to say. Right. And like I really hope that someday she will be able to say whatever she wants to say about all of this. Yeah. Even if it's nothing, if she wants to just like go off and be by herself and never be bothered again, that would be fine. Right, as well, exactly. Like whatever she needs. Right. It should be her decision whether or not she speaks about it. And it's pretty obvious that it's not her decision right now. That's it for this episode of Unlikable Female Characters. Don't forget to subscribe, and you can also follow us on Twitter at UnlikableFCPod for updates, book recommendations, and angry feminist rants. Our website is unlikablefemalecharacters.com, and we're also on Instagram at unlikablefemalecharacters. Thanks for listening.